Good morning. I got to tell you, it's another crazy week out there. But I'm so glad I got church. I look forward to being with my spiritual peeps on Sunday and Wednesday. And I not only wanted to worship this morning, I needed to worship this morning. I don't know about you, but thank you, Nicole, and all of you up here, and all you guys back there that make our worship possible. Yeah. Luke chapter 21 this morning. Luke chapter 21. There's so much to appreciate about our God. But one of the things I've learned to appreciate about our God is this. God is always very straightforward with his people. God always deals in reality. God doesn't sugarcoat anything. God always lays out in his word or through his spirit into our spirit. Here's the way it really is. (laughs) Because he doesn't want us to live as his children in a fantasy world. He doesn't want us to live in, in some made-up world uh, that, that we can, you know, create ourselves. He wants us to deal in reality, no matter what that reality is, because as we've even sung about today, God is greater than anything, and God can make us strong enough to deal with whatever the days are going to be like. And that's what this message is all about this morning. It is such a timely message Uh, that God has for us this morning. I'd like to begin, actually, in the first couple verses of Luke 21. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. That's why we have an offering box. People sometimes ask us as leaders or as the pastor, why don't you pass an offering plate? Well, we just do it like they were doing it in Jesus' day. We put an offering box back there because we believe that if you want to give to the Lord, that's between you and the Lord, okay? Okay. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all offered their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. Now, what I want us to, because we're going to move past this pretty quickly, but what I want us to get out of these verses is simply this, and I could do a whole message on just these verses, but for the sake of this morning's message, Jesus is not dismissing the contributions of other people. He's not. He is simply exalting the contribution that this woman made. And why is he doing that? Because in Jesus' day, just like in our day, For the most part, this woman's contribution would have been overlooked and unnoticed and underappreciated by most people because all she gave was a couple coins, you know. Jesus wants to point out that as far as her contribution, that her gift was great because she gave everything she had. Proportionately, her gift was great, and he wanted to acknowledge that. It is a reminder that sometimes little gifts cost a great deal more than big gifts do, and their merit is in the sacrifice that they represent, and that was certainly true here. But for the sake of this morning's message, I want to zero in on those three words in verse 4. Put 
in everything. She was all in with God. And what God needs from his people today is to be just like that poor widow, all in, to put in everything into our relationship with God. Why? Because we are living in crazy times. And you know what Jesus tells us even back then, a couple thousand years ago? As he looked ahead in time to the time where he would come back, he said, guys and gals, it's only going to get crazier. So I need you, my people, the church, to be strong. Because the only way you and I are going to prevail and overcome and be able to rise above the crazy times in which we live is to be spiritually strong people, to be spiritually healthy and in a good place. Otherwise, the world will get the best of us. It will. So notice in verse 5, because Jesus was there in the temple complex, obviously noticing people putting in their gifts, while he was still speaking, or some were still speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with these beautiful stones and offerings. And by the way, this temple was one of the most beautiful in the ancient world. It was one of the most impressive sights in the ancient world, this temple. But then notice what Jesus says. As for these things that you are all gazing at and enamored with, like, ooh, wow, look at this great, beautiful temple, Jesus says the days will come when not one stone will be left on another. All will be torn down. His followers were enamored, enamored with the external beauty of the temple. But Jesus here is pointing out, even though externally it looks like everything's good, underneath the surface everything is far from okay. Because the physical building may be good, but my people are spiritually bankrupt. They're corrupt. There's nothing good about what goes on inside that beautiful building from God's perspective. The outside looks good, inside not so much. Obviously, it's a reminder, too, how Jesus is more concerned about what goes on spiritually inside his house than what the house actually looks like. But he's also trying to remind his followers, as enamored and in all you are with this building, in a few years, this building will be no more. And we know that that prophecy came to literally be fulfilled because everything, every stone in the temple was literally torn down by the Roman Empire and army that came marching in in 70 AD. And the only thing that's left even to this day is what is called the Wailing Wall, which was not part of the temple complex proper, but was actually part of the retaining wall. So Jesus's prophecy came true exactly as he said it would, just like all of Jesus's words come true because he says later on heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away but what Jesus now is going to do based upon now their question is he's going to begin to share a prophecy that has both a near fulfillment the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 70 AD and the far fulfillment looking ahead in time to when he was going to return 
And even though we are not there yet, we can see that if Jesus said it was going to be like this, even in his day, that the Bible teaches us that as we move down through history, these things are only going to get worse. And that the conditions that Jesus talks about back then are only going to be more accentuated in the days in which we live, which again is why he is calling upon his people not to hide, not to retreat, not to give up any spiritual ground, not to run, but to stand up and be strong in this day. And I must say, in a sense, we are very privileged and should realize the responsibility and privilege and honor we have as God's people to be alive in the time in which we are, even though many Christians are like probably saying, I wish I wasn't alive now. I wish I was in heaven, or I wish somehow I could escape the, the days in which I'm living. To realize that God could have chosen any time in history for us to be born and to live through, and he chose for you and I to be born and to live through this time because he's telling us by, by doing that that you got what it takes in me. You have what it takes. You don't need to try to run. You don't need to try to escape. You can be strong and be my one of my witnesses, even in the days in which you find yourself. And in the rest of this chapter, Jesus is going to remind us that there are four sort of great signs that we're even living through today that will accompany his second coming. So follow along with me. They ask him in verse 7, teacher, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign or signs that these things are about to take place? What Jesus does now is instead of answering the question about when the destruction of Jerusalem will take place, the first thing, he actually answers the second one first. And he's going to tell them, here are the signs that are going to accompany my coming back to earth. First of all, it's going to be a time of great deception, which is why we as the church need to make sure that we are spiritually strong and on our toes and alert and vigilant and discerning and perceptive people. Why? Because we're going to be living in a day of growing and great deception. Jesus said in verse 8, watch out that you are not misled. It is a warning from Jesus to his people to be aware of those who would seek to mislead or deceive us. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and that the time is near, but do not follow them. Now we're going to go through a lot of scriptures this morning, so keep your finger in Luke 21, and go with me first to the book of 2 Corinthians, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want us to just be reminded of a few passages in the New Testament that teach about the age of deception and how deception and deceivers and all of that is going to get worse and worse as we come to the end of the age. First of all, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. Paul writes, But I am afraid 
that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his treachery, your minds may be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Even back then, Paul was concerned that the Corinthians were going to be deceived and led away from a sincere and singleness of mind and purpose to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then if you go over to verse 13, 14, and 15 of the same chapter, he's talking here again about the days even back then, but he says, such people and why we need to be careful are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end will correspond to their actions. Folks, if that's the case, if Satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light. How much more do you and I as the people of God need to make sure that we are not being led astray or deceived, you see? Because Satan will never come at us the way the world pictures Satan, as the red figure with the pitchfork and the horns and all of that. That's not how Satan comes at us or even the people of this world. He comes as an angel of light. I'm a good, I'm a good being. I'm, I'm looking out for you. You need to follow me. I've got your best interest at heart, just as he said to Eve back in the garden. And look what happened. Well, let's keep going. Go over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And notice at the very beginning in verse 1, Paul points out, understand this, Timothy, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And then he uses those five verses to tell us why it's going to be difficult. And notice, he doesn't point out that things are difficult because of the circumstances. He points out that things are made even more difficult because of the lack of character of human beings. Because it's all about who people are in the last days. And that that makes even the things that we go through even worse because of the way they act and the way they respond and how they deal with things. It, it, it multiplies the difficulty, if you will. But then I want you to go down to verse 12 through 14 of the same chapter. He says, now, in fact, all who want to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Keep that verse in mind. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But evil people and charlatans will go from bad to worse. Did you get that? Means not going to get better. <laughs> Deception and deceit and all of that is going to get worse. Deceiving others and being deceived themselves. You, however must continue in the things you have learned and are confident about. You know who taught you. One other passage, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Just down a little bit further. For there will be a time when people will not tolerate sound teaching. Instead, following their own desires, they will accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an insatiable curiosity to hear new things, and they will turn away from hearing the truth. And on the other hand, they will turn aside to myths. Over and over again, the Bible teaches us about deceivers 
and deception and all of that. And Jesus is saying to his followers, even back here in Luke 21, one of the things that makes living in these days so difficult is it's a time of growing and great deception. And you and I, if we are not on the ball spiritually, if our spiritual sensitivity and insight and perception and discernment is not where it needs to be, we're going to be led astray and deceived ourselves. Because that's what the Bible teaches over and over and over again. How people will turn away from hearing the truth and be turned on to all these other things and not be rock solid on the word of God and on doctrine, all of that, that that will not be how things are characterized in the last days. Well, let's move ahead. If you go back to Luke 21, it's also going to be a time of great unsettledness. Don't miss this. This, this blew me away several weeks ago as I was studying a little bit more intently for this message today. Notice what Jesus says in verse 9. And when you hear of wars and rebellions, do not be afraid. For these things must happen first, but the end will not come at once. In other words, even though these things are happening, doesn't mean the end's here yet. Then he said to them, nation will rise up in arms against nation, verse 10, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines and plagues in various places, and there will be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven. Jesus is basically saying conditions on the earth will be tumultuous and turbulent. The weather will be crazy. Nations will be crazy. People will be crazy. In fact, I want you to go back to verse 9, because this was very interesting. When you hear of wars and rebellions, I want you to zero in on that word rebellion. Other ways to translate that word are riots, revolutions. It speaks about an unsettled state of upheaval and violence and unrest. Gee, sounds pretty familiar. It also describes this. It is to rise up in open defiance of authority with the presumed intention to overthrow it or to act in complete opposition to its demands. And that this kind of climate leads to global instability. Jesus is saying, this is what's coming. Upheaval, unsettledness, unrest, riots, revolutions. Folks, this is the world that we are living in. And just like there's going to be a, a time of great deception, there's also a time of great unsettledness that's only going to get worse and worse and worse until Jesus comes. And unless you and I learn to have the strength through Christ to live in it and to deal with it and to rise above it and overcome it, it will overcome us instead. Which is why we need to be strong Christians in the days in which we live. Why we need to have strong churches. Why we need to have strong spiritual leadership. Because this is the world we find ourselves in. And we can sit there like a, even a lot of people and go, I just want to live at a different time, or I just, I just want to go to heaven and all that. And God is saying, no, 
No, no, no. There's a reason why I planted you here on this earth at this time. And you need to be strong enough to deal with the conditions on the earth because there's nothing stronger than me and I can make you strong enough to deal with it. So that leads me to the next point and one that you and I aren't going to like either, but guess what? It's reality. And that is that in Luke 21, now Jesus beginning in verse 12 says, it's also going to be a time of growing and great persecution against Christians. Notice what he says. I'm just going to read the passage, and then I want to make a few comments about it. He says, but before all this, they will seize you and persecute you, handing you over to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. But now notice what Jesus says. He doesn't say, retreat. He doesn't say, run and hide. He says, no, this will be a time for you to serve as my witnesses. Therefore, be resolved not to rehearse ahead of time of how you make your defense. I'll give you the words along with the wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will have some of you put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name, yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. We've got to talk about this, okay? We've got to talk about this. First of all, notice that Jesus' point, beginning in verse 12, is that persecution is the church's short-term destiny. We're destined for this. This was all part of God's plan. You see, that Christians would be... And we just read in 2 Timothy 3.12, all who want to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to just turn back real quick to something else that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to these verses. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things about you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. The early church, they were strong enough that when they were beaten and flogged and put in prison, that when they were released, they went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. Folks, we need to get that mindset today inside the church. That God don't make me strong enough that, that if I have to face persecution for your sake and your kingdom and your name, make me strong enough to be able to stand up in the days in which I live and be able to take that persecution and be a witness in spite of it because that's the plan Jesus has for his people in these days. Because notice he says in verse 13, this will be a time for you to serve as witnesses. Think of Esther. Mordecai said to her, you're here for such a time as this. Don't, don't get so fearful that you are not willing to walk in to the, to the king's throne room and, and to ask that your people be heard. 
God brought you to this place for this time and gave you that position so that you could leverage the king. And God has done the same thing with us. He has brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. And it is an opportunity that God is giving us to serve as witnesses. The purpose of persecution is the privilege of proclamation. That's what Jesus is saying. And Jesus even says in verse 15, I'll provide you with the words. Don't sit there in your house and be worried and think ahead of time about well, what, would I, what am I going to say if the world comes after me or if, 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 if somebody confronts me or whatever. Jesus says, I will supernaturally give you what you need when you need it. Trust me. And Jesus says, look, it's going to get so bad that he said family members will turn on each other, friends will turn on each other, they'll report each other. We're sort of living in that. Several weeks ago, there were people reporting on each other, being out and about. Folks, we're living in that day and age where you can see that, in a sense, the climate is being created for this to just continue to move further and further. And, and Christians, listen, we can get so, you know, paranoid and so intimidated and so afraid that we just crawl into our shell like that turtle and we don't come out till it's all over. All I can say to you then is, I guess you're going to be in that shell till you die or Jesus comes because it's not going to get better. And you and I need to have the resolve in God to say, no, I'm not going to hide any longer. I'm going to stand up and be a witness no matter what the cost. Now, again, that goes back to the very beginning. That means I need, to, I need to be all in with God. I need to put in everything like that woman. Otherwise, the pressures of the world and the unsettledness in the world and everything is going to just push Christians to the back. I love what Jesus said in verse 18. He says, not a hair of your head will perish. Now, many said, well, Jesus, aren't you contradicting yourself? Because you're just telling us that some of you will even be put to death. Sounds like a hair on my head's going to be perishing. This phrase was not speaking about physical well-being. It was a phrase used to remind God's people that God is in control and that we will never lose what is truly valuable or worthwhile. God is simply saying, yeah, they might kill you, but I got you. Think, think of Stephen. Think of others down through history, Christians, all those martyrs down through history that died. What Jesus is saying is, you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't have to be afraid. I'm going to be with you. My rod and staff will comfort you. I'll give you everything you need. And anything that's truly valuable or worthwhile, you got it in me. You don't need to worry about losing anything, including your life. And then he says in verse 19, by your endurance, you will gain your life. The word endurance here means to hold one's ground in the face of fierce opposition. That's what Jesus is calling his people to, to be soldiers, to say, I'm holding my spiritual ground and I'm not retreating. I'm not backing up no matter how hard the wind blows against me. And can I say that's why it's so important that we have church because we are all we got. We've got God, but God created the church so that we could have each other. 
so that we don't have to feel like we've got to face this fierce opposition all by ourselves, that we can look around and go, no, I know I got fellow soldiers and brothers and sisters who will stand up there with me on the battlefield, and they will take whatever the enemy throws against us, and we will make sure that through the Lord we have the endurance to hold our ground and not give an inch. And Jesus even says, this is how you gain spiritually. Literally, in the original, Jesus saying, this is how you make spiritual gains with your life. Not by retreating. Not by hiding. But by serving as witnesses, as my witnesses, even in these very unsettled, unstable days of upheaval and unrest throughout the world, days of great deception, days of great persecution, where persecution against the church and against Christians is only going to continue to get worse. Jesus says, you can endure because I'll give you the endurance. Some of us right now need a second wind. We're like those marathon runners that we've gotten like to the end and and it's like, I, I can't go any further. Listen, Jesus can give you a second wind. Isaiah 40, he can renew our strength. We can mount up as eagles. We can run and not grow weary. We just need to wait on the Lord and keep worshiping and stay in his word and staying in fellowship with each other and putting our spiritual lives as the priority, which leads me to my final point. Go over to verse 34. It is not only a time of great deception, great unrest and great persecution. It's also a time of spiritual apathy, even amongst God's people, which is why Jesus says in verse 34, but be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life that today close down upon you suddenly like a trap. Folks, he's not talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to believers. For it will overtake all who live on the face of the whole earth. But stay alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that must happen and to stand before the Son of Man. Let's go down through this because it's such a rich portion of Scripture. First of all, Jesus saying in verse 34, give your full attention to spiritual priorities. That's what be on your guard means. Instead of being spiritually apathetic, be spiritually engaged and give your spiritual life all the attention and care that it needs to stay strong in the days in which we live because they are difficult. They are challenging. They could be overwhelming if we are not strong. But then notice something interesting. Jesus talks about our hearts being weighed down. But notice here. It's not being weighed down even because of the circumstances and the situation we find ourselves in as much as it is what people choose to try to do to either detach themselves from reality or escape reality, including Christians. In other words, they begin to choose worldly solutions rather than spiritual ones to how to handle things. And that actually adds to the weight. Instead of taking the weight off because we use unproductive, unhealthy ways of of trying to deal with reality, we actually add to the weight of our life and our heart. First, dissipation. It means parting, just either making light 
and not taking the days in which we live seriously or trying to escape and detach through constant partying, and then he adds drunkenness. And we know that alcohol consumption is on the rise even amongst Christians. Be careful, be careful. Are you just trying to escape and detach and pretend like things really aren't there and you're trying to find your comfort and your, your coping mechanisms in worldly things rather than spiritual things? And then he says, oh, and even my people, they can be gripped by the worries of this life. Now, you would say, well, shouldn't we be? It's an age of deception. It's an age of unsettledness. It's an age of persecution. Shouldn't be we, we be worried? No. Because how many times does the Bible and Jesus say, don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Instead, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Jesus said, don't be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And yet we find and we hear and we see so many even of God's people today who are consumed with the worries of this life. And when you and I are concerned, consumed with the worries of life and what's going on around us, we're not taking time to build ourselves up spiritually. We are spiritually distracted from what we need to be focused on. Jesus said, be careful, be on your guard. Otherwise, these days will catch you off guard like a trap does on an animal. For he says, verse 36, stay alert at all times. Remain vigilant and spiritually engaged at all times, praying that you may have strength. God needs us to be strong. Strong. Not praying that I might get out of here. Not praying that the days in which I live might be different because they're not going to be. But praying to have strength. Now, unfortunately, or I should say, this next word is an unfortunate English translation. It says to escape. The word in the original literally means to prevail or to overcome. God never tells us to escape. God's way of escape for God's people is always through. That's how we escape. To face reality head on and deal with it. Red Sea, gee, we're going to go around it? No, we're going to go through it. Jordan River, flood stage, going to go around it? No, going to go through it. Over and over again, God said, my way is to go through things, not to pretend like they're not there, not to create my own reality or fantasy world, not to go around it, not to make it disappear, but to go through it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Jesus is calling upon his people, be so spiritually on top of things that as you pray and as you worship and as you engage with me and as you fellowship with other Christians, you have the strength to prevail and overcome the days in which you live so that you can stand. And notice Jesus says, all these things must happen. They're part of God's plan as we move towards the end. We might not like it, but God says, you need to trust me. You need to trust me. 
and know that I will give you all the strength that you need to live in these days of deception, unsettledness, persecution, and spiritual apathy. And the reason why spiritual apathy is hard for us too as Christians is you start looking around at other Christians who's not totally committed, not putting in everything, not all in, it's hard for us to keep up our level of devotion and commitment when we look around and see very few other Christians who are trying to be as committed as we are. It's hard. But Jesus says, I'll give you the strength even if you're the last one that wants to stand. Because this word to stand means to still be standing strong before the Son of Man. That's who I want to be. In spite of what's going on in the world, I want Jesus to find me still standing strong, holding my ground in the face of fierce opposition, either at the end of my life, the end of the world, or when Jesus comes back. I want our church to still be standing strong when Jesus comes back or when this is all over. I want my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to still be standing strong. I want our church to make a difference. And if ever we needed God's people and churches to rise up and be strong, it's days like this. Because these are difficult days. And we can sit there and, and we can try to spend all kinds of time trying to figure out how we can get out of living in these days or creating our own fantasy world or reality, trying to escape or detach through very unhealthy, unproductive ways which only adds weight to our heart, or we can do what Jesus said, and that is begin to engage spiritually to the point where we can build up our spiritual strength and be strong enough to face whatever we have to face in the days in which we live. Will we be standing strong before the Son of Man? Would you stand with me? Lord, I believe that you are calling your people to even a greater devotion, a greater commitment to you. You are showing us, God, that the days in which we find ourselves are not going to be easy days for us to navigate. And unless we have your spiritual strength, unless we are remaining spiritually healthy and whole and putting everything we can into building up our spiritual life, God, the days in which we live could get the best of us, even as Christians. So, God, I pray today that through you we could face reality, that we could stand strong, that we would be a people who endure because we are a people who are going to declare, God, we are all in. We're putting everything into our relationship with you. God, would you use this time to really seal some things in our hearts today, God? These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.